Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting the people involved from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. That little that you might have heard is the podcat who is sleeping on the desk and um, probably will be making uh, her presence known in any form of errs and prrrs and mrrrs. <laughs> Welcome back and uh, it's lovely to have you here and if you are a first time listener, you are incredibly welcome. Return listeners, it's always great to have you back and thank you all so much for the lovely feedback that you gave me um, for the last episode, which was a visit to the Border Mill and I had lots of lovely comments and emails about that and um, I hope that you enjoyed also, the review that I did on the blog this week at knitbritish.net of their incredible alpaca silk yarn. And also thank you all for saying um, that it was good to have me back. It was a really lovely break and I really got a lot out of it. And it made me think that, well, last year I had to take a break um, when we moved house and then also we had a death in the family and... That wasn't such an enjoyable break, but this is the first time that I've taken a break from the podcast to be do productive things for Knit British, um, as well as having a relaxing time. And I got a lot done and a lot of forward planning done. And yeah, so uh, I probably something that I would consider doing again um, for sure. But thank you all very much for your kind comments about how much you missed the podcast and you're glad it was back. Things since then, my goodness, well, how different things are now since uh, before that break. And yeah, I still struggle to put into words how I feel about all that. Um, But one thing is for sure that we could do with a bit of balance at the moment, couldn't we? Because it's not just the political landscape here in the UK or in Europe or the shit that's kicking off in wars and um, on streets and America. Jesus. I mean, it's, yeah, there's so much skewed in the world at large. And so today I thought it would be really good to try and have a little corner over here with a bit of balance. So I have a meaningful knit story for you, which I recorded at Shetland Wool Week last year and was sort of lost for a little while in the laptop death earlier this year. And um, I've got it back now. I spoke to Joanna Moat, 
who is from Shetland but now lives in Norway, about two pairs of mittens, sorry, gloves that her granny had made for her. And because it's all about balance, I've got a tale of the whips of doom from my woolly mucker Felix Ford. Also, book of haps along is happening. So make sure that you've got your drink, grab your whip and let's get cracking. She's really very microphone shy. Right, so since podcast break, the phenomenal Book of Haps from Kate Davies uh, was published. For anyone not aware of this book, where have you been? Uh, Kate Davies commissioned 12 designers to create their vision of a hap shawl, that traditional shawl from Shetland that could either be triangle or... Um, square, traditionally, I say traditionally with quotes because what's traditional to some is not traditional to others. Um, the resultant designs embrace the versatility, the knitability, the wearability of the hap and along with interest in um, construction methods and different stitch patterns, lace cables, they just show how awesome, elegant, fine, fresh, classic, um, that humble hap can be. Um, the book is beautiful, as you would expect from, from Kate uh, and her books. There are essays on the meaning of a hap, uh, the different kinds of shawls that might be called a hap, um, there's an illustrated history which is beautiful and uses incredible photographs from the Shetland Museum and Archives which I might put a link in the show notes to that if you want to fall down a rabbit hole looking at some incredible Shetland knitwear on there and just people working, wearing, you know, I love I love things like that. So that, as I mentioned there's talk of different kinds of haps, there's fancy haps and baby haps and oh and on page 20 there's a little baby Louise Scully wrapped in a hap <laughs> being held by my beloved nanny and above that picture is my mum who is also a, as a baby wrapped in a hap being held by her beloved nanny and I think that just illustrates how um, generations of Shetlanders um, were, were, had these items um, and um, my mum, of course, some of you might remember, appears in the Yokes book as well, photo. <laughs> so I think she's got a rather large head about that now. Not that I've shown her this book yet, but um, but yeah, very proud um, 
that me and my mom and our nannies have a little part in the book and show how fancy haps and baby haps are just sort of an integral part of of family life I guess um there's also a little bit on the resurgence in the interest in haps and the hap along gets mentioned as does the awesome Elethea Whitaker who um, took part in the hap along and has taken part in the books of hap the book of haps along and you might remember she knit haps which were um reminded her of the colors in some of her favorite paintings and she just knit loads of haps um inspired by lots of paintings vincent's bedroom i think was my favorite and there's also an essay by rosalind chapman on uh haps in in archives and history and um there's also a really fascinating um insight into um Shawl that some may know as Mrs. Hunter Shawl, others may know as Patton's 893-1085-8009, I think. Um, It was perhaps one of the first Shetland Shawl patterns to be distributed by uh, Patton's commercial pattern company and many, 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 many babies and brides and people have received the this really special shawl which has a little bit of a mystery about it i'm not going to really go into it um because i want you to read the book and find out about it yourself but uh, it was a really fascinating thing um and a really fascinating story and one that was quite excitingly close to the publication of the book that um kate uh, discovered so um yeah the 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 essays on the history of the hap uh, start off the book and then kick us into gear for the haps of the 21st century and these 13 incredible uh, shawl designs which as I say range from uh, classic hap designs like Kate's Mododai square hap shawl to uh, ones which just themes and variations which is Vidaval Mackie's Hap shawl themes and variations is such a good name for a shawl in this book about you know interpretations of hap shawls. The the designs are incredible. Um, the ones that stand out to me, um, which if you've read my blog posts about this, um, the book of haps along, then you will know this. But um, Hazel Tyndall's Hamgit lap just is gorgeous, and I just adore the fact that. Um, the, the structure of this, um, it's not a flat garment, it's three-dimensional, um, it's it's beautiful, really, really beautiful. Um, also, Tom Van Dienen's Hexa Hap, um, which is incredibly beautifully photographed. All the photography in the book is incredible. Um, most of it t- taking place in Shetland. Um, also, Jen Arnold Culliford's Nut Hap. Let me tell you. When I first got this book, I was determined that Hamgate was going to be the one that I was going to cast on first. And I did cast it on. And um, I cast it on in some silvery lilac Wensleydale and Blueface Leicester and um, used a little bit of uh, Tamar in the Fair Isle design on the shoulders. And then I kind of stalled because I needed to get sharper 
pointed needles. So I put it down for a little while and I thought, well, I need to cast on something. I better not cast on a hat because I want to knit this Hengate. And so I cast on Andy Sutherland's uh, Hetty cardigan. Totally different not to shawl. <laughs> Just something to knit on. And then that totally sidetracked me because it's a fast knit and it's an incredibly awesome knit. Um, and so then I kind of got halfway down the first sleeve on the finished, almost finished garment. I thought, God, I better... I've had these sharp tips for ages, I better get on with my home gate and then tried to pick it up and I was kind of like, oh, this isn't flowing, what's what's to do? And I really wanted to knit home gate because I'm going to be attending um, a, a do in um, next month and I thought it would go really well with the outfit that I'd chosen and I just thought I'm never going to get this finished in time and I don't want to push myself and I feel like I might have to take it back to um, where I picked up the stitches because I just I feel like I've lost the mojo with it a little bit and it's it's, it's incredible design so I thought what what will I what can I cast on because I really want to be I'm sort of fast forward in here I will go back I promise um, I wanted to be knitting a hap because I am running the book of haps along tra-la there you go <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll come back to the why but yeah everyone else is knitting haps I want to be knitting a hap and I didn't want to be knitting one without any mojo so I went to my stash and what's in the top of the stash box but my very special yarns that I bought at Edinburgh Yarn Festival my daughter of a shepherd uh, from Rachel Atkinson my Tamar in the oh in the um, yellowy green colour which I don't have the shade card do I? No. And um, my Isolde Blend 1 Undyed and Isolde Blend 1 Dyed, the blue dye from Triskelion. And I thought, oh, well, this might make a nice nut hap. So, which is the Jen Arnold Colourford one, which is just lovely. And it's a really long um, shawl, uh, almost scarf-like, like, but it does have... <laughs> What shape are we calling this? It's a long shawl, almost scarf-like, with a rounded edge and these fantastic tucks of colour. And I thought, well, this this would be fantastic. I could use the Daughter of a Shepherd for my main colour and these other fantastic colours for the tucks. And then I realised I needed a fourth colour because there are four tucks. So with my blue blend one, my undyed blend one, my yellow Tamar, I thought, well, I kind of put it out there on Twitter. I got all my stash out and I was like, on Instagram, sorry, and said, right, what colour goes best with this? And there was lots of suggestions. Um, but Rusty Orange was one that kind of was a popular choice. And so I found a spectacular colour to match, which is um, the Swan range from, from Blacker. It's the Hawkweed colourway. It's Merino and Shetland. Which I didn't know that Swan had sh some Shetland in it, but I'll come back to that. I need to investigate that further. Um, so I sent off for that. I did all my swatching. Swatching, uh, the, some of the yarns are sport weight, some of them are double knit. So I managed to get pretty not bad gauge for those. And Jen um, had the suggestion that I should start with the thinnest yarn and end with the fattest as well. And that would be, that would be good. Then on Saturday, I came home, the postman had been, and in the a very large bag from Blacker Yarns, larger than the yarn that I'd ordered, there was the swan in the hawkweed colourway, 
And there were three other things that are very exciting and that I can't really tell you about. Uh, <laughs> um, very exciting yarns. And one of them, Sonia, who's just the best, had seen my plea on Instagram and had sent me three other colourways of a new yarn uh, to try to go with my choices. And I chose uh, a fantastic rusty orange colour and I promise I'll tell you more about this yarn later. So I now have on the pins a, a nut hap and a hem gate that's going nowhere fast. But the nut hap I've cast on the stitches and I'm doing my first ever tubular cast on so it's really exciting. Rewind a little bit where I, I got, got carried away about my haps to tell you that I got my arm twisted a little bit to do another hap along. I wasn't going to host any more CALS um, this year. I feel like I've done a lot and I've participated in a lot and um, you love the CALS, you tell me you do and that's fantastic but they are a lot to, um, you know, to run. And so I wasn't, I wanted to do another HAP along but I wasn't just, I just wasn't thinking of doing one as soon as the book came out and mostly because I thought Kate was going to be doing her own hap along or hap cal. So uh, I saw her at the Indie Bitty Yarn Crawl and she said, so are you going to do a hap along? <laughs> so a little bit of arm twisting from Kate and the book of haps along was launched. So, I mean, I, I apologise because I know that some of you don't read the blog you only listen to the podcast and so you're hearing about this quite late because we've been running it since June um, but these are the, the sort of rules if you want to take part and there's still time to take part the you can knit any pattern that appears in the book of haps and there are going to be prizes but there's going to be a prize for a hap that's made in British wool and a hap that's made in wool that is local to you, i.e. non-UK. And for the benefit of um, anyone who isn't sure, at Knit British, British wool for me is wool from the British Isles. So England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland. That is, to me, wool from the British Isles. And so if you are knitting with any fantastic yarn from Southern Ireland, please do enter it into the British side. And anywhere else that you're knitting with yarn that's local to you. And, and of course, some of you, that could be your local country, your local area, your local state, um, whatever that is, is local to you. The deadline to be in with a chance of winning one of those uh, two prizes and I have some fantastic prizes um, which I'll tell you a bit about later on not in this podcast later on in the future you have to post your finished object in the Knit British Ravelry group thread by 11.59pm on Sunday the 14th of August that's 11.59pm UK time and that's just for the sort of competitive element. But fear not, I'm very, very, very relaxed about Cal's, as you know, because the Hapalong 2015 <laughs> thread never shut. Um, so essentially, you can keep you can keep on knitting your book of Haps along Haps for as long as you want and keep on chatting in that thread. But um, it, the sense of having a slight bit of closure, you can keep on knitting your Haps for the official Cal until the 24th of September. 
just to give multi-happers and slow knitters like me the chance to finish. And if you want to be in with the chance of winning a prize, if you're knitting a hap in British wool or wool that's local to you, you have to post by Sunday the 14th of August, but carry on knitting until Saturday the 24th of September, which is the beginning of Shetland Wool Week. But you know, that thread will be staying open, so it's only a soft close, really. Uh, and Jen Arnold Culliford is also hosting a Hap Cal. Haps are happening, and we shall have a prize for one lucky person who has taken part in both of our cals. And as I said, prizes, uh, details of prizes will be revealed soon. And on the topic of Haps and Shetland Wool Week, I am going to be giving a talk at Shetland Wool Week on basically just how incredible Haps are. And if you are going to be going to Shetland Wool Week, then please give me a shout because I would quite like to organise a meet-up cuppa, maybe a trip to the museum to see some of the haps while we're there. And also, if you are taking part in the hap along or the book of hap along and book of haps along, I keep saying that wrong, I keep along. Um, if, you're, if you've knitted a hap, I'd love to know because I would quite like to make you part of the talk as well. At the end of my talk, I'd like to get everyone um, there who's got a hap to come down and show it off, basically. I think it's really important to show how knitable and versatile and wearable, as I've already said, those designs are. And I think it's awesome to take those some of those designs back to Shetland, where the hap came from, and and show them off. So give me a shout. I'd love to hear from you and love to organise a cuppa. So that would be nice, wouldn't it? have a meaningful knit story for you again leading on from Shetland Wool Week. Uh, Joanna Moat who is originally from Unst in Shetland and now lives in Oslo brought two pairs of gloves knitted by her late granny Joan Moat of Unst. Joanna used to wear the gloves and they are resplendent with holes from from wear which I like to see that I quite like to see that something's been worn so much that it's got holes in it. Uh, since her granny died she's kept these in a box and she said that she doesn't really want to darn them or keep them as they are because they're they're special. So here is Joanna uh, talking about her granny's gloves. I'm Joanna Moat and I live in Oslo but I'm originally from Unst. I have brought two pairs of gloves that were knitted by my granny. I'm not sure which ones were the last ones she made for me um, but these are the ones that I still have um, and they're not in the best shape anymore. If I put one on you can oh, see they've yeah. got holes at the <laughs> tips of the fingers. Um, I think both pairs are a little bit like that but I sort of don't want to darn them or fix them because she's not alive anymore. So I don't want to wear them anyway. So I just keep them in a box. Um, Do you sort of keep them wrapped up or? No, they're just in a box. <laughs> <laughs> they're just sitting there. But uh, she made several pairs of gloves for me and there was one pair in particular that escaped and I don't have them anymore. Oh. Um, so she made me, so these ones I think are both in um, jumper weight yarn or fingering weight yarn. So um, got one that's very 
fair isle. Very um, traditional. All, all of, and then these ones, which have just got a fair isle on the cuff, which are... And my name. These ones have double cuff, whereas these ones are just... Uh, are just plain, so they're they're very traditional. She was a very she's well known for her knitting, and she could do anything. But she was especially well known for her lace. Did she sell her, her work? Yes, she did. So it was more, I guess, a hobby. But I think I mean she had knitting machines and everything, so she mm. also did uh, piecework and stuff. But she she was very well known. But yeah, so she made me a pair in lace two ply lace weight once, and they were beautiful, and they had the snowflake on the back and. I lost them and she was so mad with me because she thought I didn't care about them. Oh, no. <laughs> and they were they were the they were beautiful and I loved them and I was absolutely sad. So I think actually probably these ones came after I lost those ones because my name appeared on them. <laughs> so you definitely shan't lose these ones. No. So so these were so these are some of my most treasured pieces. I also have uh, for our, a lot of her grandchildren's 21st birthdays, she actually knitted us small pieces of lace with our names in them. But that's in a frame on my mum's wall, so oh, <laughs> I couldn't really bring... So how, how old are these gloves then? Um, the pair I lost would have been about 12 years ago, so these are they're probably between 10 and, and 15 years old, I think. Uh, she died about seven years ago now mm-hmm. I think so yeah they just started in a box and but I went on a class this week to learn how to do fingers and things so I can make my own gloves now <laughs> but you definitely wouldn't want to do anything would you just let them keep on sort of disintegrating do you think I think so I mean they haven't because they're not being worn the fingers the holes in the fingers haven't got any worse I guess if the moths yeah. get in they'll be okay but yeah I don't Maybe one day I'll fix them and decide to wear them because it's a shame to leave them sitting there. But yeah, I can't just ask her for a new pair anymore. <laughs> would you pass that on to your bairns if you had any or would you just keep them? I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously we have uh, we have a heritage centre in Unst mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of knitting in there, but a lot of her stuff is already in there. So I don't think they need them. But uh, yeah, I don't know what I'll do with them. Personal things. But at well. the moment they just, yeah, they're just there. They're, they're really beautiful and they're really, really special. I can understand why, like the idea of keeping them as they are. I mean, I've obviously worn them and I've used them, so yeah. I, I have loved them. But now I'm a bit like I don't want to wear keep, them anymore. <laughs> keep them for sort of uh, nostalgia yeah. and to, to take them out and remember. And maybe I'll recreate them yeah. one of these days as well. Yeah, so that would be really interesting. Remake the pattern. Try and remake the ones that got away. Those gloves have been worn and loved and now no less loved. They are a special reminder of Joan. And when we recorded this at Shetland Moo Week last year, Joanna had taken a class on knitting gloves. And I love the idea that she might recreate those lost gloves one day. There's a lovely full circle in that, isn't there? Now, because it's all about balance, yin and yang... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My woolly mucker Felix Ford, aka Knit Sonic, who is visiting uh, this week, uh, and we shall be working on our November plans. I thought it would be good to uh, tell you about Felix's Whip of Doom, which we recorded on her last stay here. If you've ever had some incredible yarns that you got from a an awesome seller or a mill or some kind of soulful stash, as my good chum Sarah from the Fibre Trek podcast would say. Um, and if you've ever wanted to put those yarns into something special with those special yarns, 
Um, Felix will tell you about why her special whip with special yarns isn't quite finished. For anybody who listened to our podcast after the Edinburgh Yarn Festival, you might remember that we were having breakfast together. So please uh, just don't worry about the sound of the, uh, in the background. I think it's the coffee machine. Whips of doom. Yeah, do you? I, do you I have do. one? I have a whips of doom. Go on, tell me. You want the whip of doom tale right yeah. now? Yeah. So, um, I had... Prick your finger at one point were doing producing these very special yarns where they would, would get like a clip of wool from somewhere and then have it worsted spun by Diamond Fibres Mill in, uh, I think it's in like Tunbridge Wells. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of Roger's yarn, but it is beautiful. It's really, he's very particular about worsted spinning. And I went to visit his mill years and years ago and he was showing me how many processes the yarn goes through and how many times it gets combed to get all the fibres lined up. And so his yarns are really distinctive and they have a lovely um, drapiness about them and they're very dense and he they're just really recognisable. So there was one that was spun from his flock of Romney sheep. It was this beautiful chocolate brown colour. Then I had, then I was in... Whitstable for a sound art festival and I I bunked off on a Saturday morning went into the farmer's market and was just having a scoop round and I saw that somebody was selling yarn from her sheep and I looked at it and I was like that is Roger's spinning I definitely and I said you know is this your yarn and she said yes it's from my from my flock of is it Clen 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 sheep so I immediately, I was very chuffed to bits to Emma to have kind of seen that. And then I said, is it, um, did you get it spun at Diamond Fibres? And she said, I did. <laughs> so it was really like, you can recognise the yarn by the mill it was spun at. Yeah. So I had that and that was a really lovely creamy colour. I had this lovely chocolate brown Romney. And then at one time, Sue Blacker was doing Gotland and dyeing it like a almost like a denim-y indigo blue. Yes. And I thought, I'm gonna make an awesome top that has mosaic stitch panel on the front and mosaic panel, uh, mosaic stitch panel on the back. And then I'll, I had this whole idea for this really experimental uh, construction that I was gonna do. So I started knitting. It's a mosaic stitch pattern from Barbara Walker's book. Oh yeah. And it looks like a, you know when you see these kind of old cinema buildings and they have like a big deco uh, kind of like a big deco ornament at the top like almost like a sunburst yeah. with big diagonal lines pointing out that's what this mosaic stitch pattern was like so I thought I'm just going to keep stacking up this blue this cream and this brown and getting these lovely panels and then um, I knitted it and if you can imagine I knitted two straps to go kind of over the shoulders. Then I knit like four panels of this mosaic stitch design for the back and for the front. And then I sort of thought I'll figure out the sides and the arms at a later point. <laughs> but when I put it on, it was just like this ridiculous bib. It just looked like a bib. <laughs> it was like a giant bib slash, like looked like a chest plate of armor. And I was like, this is, this is so terrible. 
and the actual fabric is really lovely and the yarns are really beautiful together and the whole texture of it is wonderful but it's uh and every time I get it out and think I have to frog this, this yarn's too good and it needs to become something else, I look at all the work that went into it and go, maybe it could be a bag, <laughs> maybe it could be like So that is definitely like my whip of doom. I think there's also, thinking about it now, picturing the whip of doom in my mind, there's also like a, a really interesting grey yarn that was dyed with mushrooms um, wow. by an Estonian, uh, crafter because I bought it in Estonia and I I was kind of looking in this Estonian yarn shop and I was like these colours are really interesting and she just sort of pointed to them and said you know these were dyed with mushrooms Incredible. and we didn't have enough language in common to kind of work out which mushrooms yeah but so that's in there as well so yeah me, maybe, maybe I need to, to like challenge yourself to like do it for the November Wow this year or something. Maybe or, I will rip out. Yes, it's a good it, idea. And it's British listeners challenge you to work it or rip it. <laughs> Thank you for your tale of doom. So there we go. If there's nothing else for it but ripping and frogging, knit Sonic. This is a nice segue. Again, there's nice seamless links in this podcast today. We talked there a little bit about the episode of the podcast where... I talked about it was really, it would be a really good idea to get your whips out and either make time to work on your unloved whips or else have the courage to rip them out and free your yarn. And back in April, I went to visit the lovely Leona at Fluff and we kind of hit on this idea that if you are too scared or a bit worried or don't quite have the courage to rip out your unloved whips then we're going to help you. On Saturday, the 3rd of September, we are holding the Big Whip Rip in Fluff in Dundee. So the idea is that you come on over, you bring your whips out of hiding, look them over, give them the bit of the whip assessment. And if there's nothing for it but ripping or frogging, then we will help you. It can be so hard to make the decision to rip something out because we think about all the time that we've put into it and, you know, the nice yarn that we're using and the because we want to put those things together with that in that pattern. And But for whatever reason, the love has gone, the mojo has gone. So what are you going to do? Are you going to let it linger in a bag in a cupboard forever? The elves aren't going to knit it for you or rip it. So if you can't do it, we will on the 3rd of September. For a small donation to MSF P-Hop, we will rip or hold your hand while you rip, lend moral support, make you a cup of tea even, and at the end of the afternoon, you will go home with your newly freed yarn and a whole heap of potential because it will be almost sweater season by then, September. So there can be no better time to free some yarn. And if you can't make it to Dundee, well, of course, you all can't. We know that. Um, as much as we'd love to see you there, we know you can't join us, but you can still join in. We want you to use the hashtag BigWhipRip on social media. Show off the items that you plan to rip out. And on Saturday, the 3rd of September, Get some pals over, have your own big whip rip session 
and rip with wild abandon. It could be fun. It could be fun. And you can make a small donation to P-Hop yourself if you so wish. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, you could go and buy a pattern from them to use your free freed up yarn on. Something to offset the pain of ripping for all the hours of pleasure that you will now have knitting with your freed yarn. <laughs> Watch out for more information on this soon. No doubt, including some visual feasting for the eyes by my good mucker Leona, who will be vlogging on her own whip, the massive Scully cardigan. This is a good opportunity to really delve in to the deepest, darkest parts of your stash. Find those project bags that have goodness knows how many projects in them. Give them a bit of an assessment. Look at the ones that you think, well, I might, I might, I might knit, knit on that again. I might make that. And put aside the ones that you know you will never knit a stitch on, but you want that yarn back. Or you might want to just rip it back stop it from overwhelming you and give the yarn to, to charity if that's if that's what you want to do you just just get out of there just remove every trace of that yarn and that whip whatever your reasons the big whip rip is going to be there and it's going to be a lot of fun i hope so watch out for more information on that to come uh talking about places that i'm gonna be I know that this is going to clash with a lot of people for Yarndale and that some of you are just not going to be close enough to make it. But I will be attending the Scottish Smallholders Festival at the Lanark Agricultural Centre on Saturday the 24th of September. I'm going to have a small stall. I'm going to have British wool samples uh, from fleece through to bald yarn to swatches. Um, there will even be a little knitting area too. I think the original idea at the Scottish Smallholders Festival is something that's organised. Well, one of the people who organised it is Rosemary uh, Champion, who has Rose Dean Rylands. She's also the accidental smallholder. And um, we were chatting at her yarn launch at Fluff a couple of months ago. And I think we kind of struck on the idea that wouldn't it be great for some of the smallholders to see some samples of breed single breed wool and blended wool and um, see that knitted up and sort of get an idea of the kind of value that we as knitters place on single breed wool and give them a sort of an insight into you know what it might be like for them if they wanted to create their own yarn and so um as I say, this clashes with Yarndale and it also clashes with the beginning of Shetland Wool Week, which I'm also going to be at. <laughs> Just not that day. Um, so let me know if you're thinking to, to attend. Um, the New Lanark Agricultural Centre is about a mile from Lanark train station. You can get a, a taxi. I'll take you there. There's probably a bus too. Um, there will be animals. There will be judging. There will be... Um, there's going to be other demonstrations. You could enter items into uh, to be judged in the craft and food produce sections. Uh, I'll give you the information. It is ssgf.uk and you'll find out all the information there, all the schedules, the entry forms. There's going to be trade and craft stands. 
it's promising to be a great family day out and it would be really lovely if you wanted to come along and you know what if you have items knitted in British breed wool bring them along we could show them we could put some samples on the stall come and sit and have a knit um it, it would be truly lovely to see there do give me a shout I've opened up a thread in the knit British Ravelry group a couple of you have already said you're interested in coming along um all the information about tickets and and everything that you need to know entry forms for the garden craft and food section uh, too or if you have animals you can show them as well so it's going to be a lovely um, event and really really looking forward uh, to that and get, get, it'll give me a chance to show off my new banner because <laughs> I have a new knit British banner exciting things happening over there um you might remember i don't know you you may possibly may not um, if you don't read the blog but over at the blog i wrote a post about some of the things that are to come from knit british in the future and on the back of the survey that we did um, if you haven't uh, read it then i will put links in the show notes and suggest that you go over and read read it um because i don't really want to sort of repeat myself on the podcast with everything that I said about your feedback and um and some of those things but um but one of the things was exciting collaborations and there are exciting collaborations uh the Joy McMillan who is the knitting goddess who is awesome uh, and I have collaborated on some project bags and if you are knitting haps right now you might be interested in this because they say I'm happy because I knit British and I love them they are awesome the last week's bag sold out in record time and they were um they were gigantor bags they were TARDIS bags they held six 100 gram skeins or cakes of yarn and your project how awesome is that? Like, Joy, she just knows that we like a lot of yarn. <laughs> like, we like big projects and we can't lie. If you go to www.thenittinggoddess.co.uk, there are slightly smaller project bags in the shop. And there's more the gigantic bags too. The smaller bags hold three skeins or 100 gram cakes of yarn, which is still a lot. And they're awesome. And they say the same thing. They say, I'm happy because I knit British and they're purple. And on the back it says, that I hold the potential to make beautiful things. Screen printed cotton bags made in Harrogate by the Knitting Goddess. The project bags are made from heavyweight fair trade organic cotton and she uses water-based inks, which are solvent-free and approved by the Soil Association. And I'm so tremendously excited about the... <laughs> <laughs> the project bags just so chuffed and there's more excitement to come uh, collaborating with the awesomest joy and I can tell you a bit more about that uh, in a later podcast the price of fame now you've got the glory you're going to take a little heartache to go with it I got no glory 
I got no fame. I got no big mansions. I got no money. But I've got... What have I got? I don't know. What have you got? I gotta get out of here. I've neglected the Hello Thread um, in the Knit British Ravelry group for a wee while. And so hello to everyone who said hiya um, and introduced themselves over in the Knit British Ravelry group. Hello to Kinnemond, to Tawalt Conley, to Kanuka, to Sarah MW, to Kester, to Needle Mum, Reiki Weaver... Amanda ECC, Terwen, Sushi Q, Folklore Kit, Blunder Monkey, Finn's My Dog, African Daffodil, Chris Katnitz, which she's a member of the been a member of the podcast for a while, but she was saying that she really liked the new Knit British Ravelry logo, which is in my new font, and you might notice changes that are happening with fonts and logos on the website. Uh Proxen, Twiggy66, Becky IP, East London Knit, The Blue Fairy, Knit, uh, Kim Knit Essex, Amos GW, Marcella from Chile, Cormo Spinner, Frisia One, The Colourful Knit, and Tepri. And I must say a very special hello to some of the great people that I've met over the last few weeks uh, who are listeners of the show, Tepri, who is Rachel from Tucson. Um, lovely to meet you. Uh, Claudia Jano, I met you and it was fantastic to see you. Elizabeth from Norway, hi. And also uh, Silke. Uh, really lovely to have met you guys um, in Edinburgh and thank you so much for um, saying nice things about the podcast and, and thank you for listening. And Indeed, thank you all for listening uh, because this is the end of this episode. I'm going to be back on uh, on or around the 12th of August and I will have, uh, I'm going to be chatting about Jimison Smith's new Heritage Naturals, which I've just knitted a Crofthouse hat in and love. Um, more squealing on that. I'll also be talking a little bit about uh, my summer holidays because I'm going on holiday soon after that and Book of Hapsalong and much more. So thank you very much for listening. If, like me, you are struggling to put into words the way of the world at the moment, then I don't have much advice other than sit yourself down in a quiet corner with a little bit of knitting and just... Look after yourself for a little while and think about yourself because it's easy to get caught up with feeling down and low and anxious about what's going on in the world and our place in it. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves that it's okay just to sit down, think of trivial things, listen to something funny on Radio 4 Extra podcast and just knit a few rows of meditative knitting and not worry quite so much for a little while. (laughs) Anyway, until next time, take very good care. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net You can email me, louise, at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. Take care of that throat. You're a big thinking star now, remember? This California...